Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. I'm with uh, Virginie Savarese from the Avignonese Winery in Montepulciano. That's Montepulciano, the place in Tuscany. And their main one is called Vino Nobile, Noble Wine. Virginie, why did you decide to, uh, how did it come about that you became proprietor of Avignonese? Well, I was asked by the previous owners if I wanted to take over the shares of one of the brothers who was leaving the company, which I did. I thought it was a perfect idea to get to know more about wine, which I loved so much for all my life. How did you come into contact with wine when you were younger then? Oh, well, every good meal at home was always accompanied by red wine, usually from Bordeaux and usually quite good. So and um, where were you living? Were you living in France or? No, I was living in Belgium. And that's obviously where you're from? Yes. And what did you do in Belgium before becoming a, a wine grower? I was um, a lawyer in a shipping company, which belongs to my family. And um, I was doing pretty different things than what I'm doing right, right now. Okay, so you you got a legal training. Did you, um, before buying the winery, were you, obviously you had a love for wine, but did you, how did you prepare yourself technically on the technical side? Well, because it was a bit sudden when we suddenly took over 100% of the winery, we decided we, we needed to have a, a crash course in in wine business. So at the University of Bordeaux, ESVV, they organized these uh, courses of uh, continuing education um, in the first half of the year. And they really cover almost every team from the soil up to the finished product and how to tackle any issues you might have with winemaking. How did it feel, how did it feel going back to school? You know, obviously you're not um, a 17-year-old. How, how was that? How would, and also combining uh, a, you know, a full-time career. How difficult was that? I loved it. I really loved it. It was fantastic because we were in very small classes. We were max 10 people and we had the top professors from Bordeaux University. So you, could, you were free to ask any question you wanted to these very respected uh, professors. And um, no, I think I've always liked going to university. I didn't like passing exams or studying for the exams mainly, but here there were no exams involved. So that was great. So you got a bit of technical knowledge. So when you took over the, this very, it's one of the Italy's most famous brands by the Avignonese, you had a look at the vineyards. What was your decision on, on how, to, how to change them? Or were you going to continue with the old way of doing things? Well, very quickly, I realized I wanted to change drastically the way things were tackled at Avignonese. I was shocked when I saw how my staff had to dress up to mix the chemical products they were spraying on the vineyards to the herbicides and the pesticides and so on. And having myself always been treated by homeopathy since I was a little girl, having tried to eat organic as much as I can, I didn't think I wanted to do this with uh, my land, which was mine now. And I didn't want to do that to the people who work for me. I didn't want to poison them. And I didn't want to poison the consumer who in the end drinks the bottle of wine. So how hard was that initially? I mean, that's um, taking... How big is Avignonese? How much vineyard have you got? It's pretty big, yeah? Well, Avignonese over, we had about 280 acres, I think. And uh, now we have something like 460 acres. So that's quite big. So I mean, you are one of the biggest organic uh, biodynamic producers on the planet. On the planet, not. Yeah. But I've been told we are the largest in Italy on, yeah. and, bi- and biodynamics. Yeah, you're in the top five or six, I think, on the planet. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, the bigger ones are... Um, Aren't there big ones in Australia? In not Chile? really, no. They're a bit behind Australia. Chile has one very large one. California has one very large one. Uh, and in Europe, um, I think, actually, you are the biggest. So maybe you're number three worldwide. Whoa. That's not bad. That's great. Yeah, you learn something new every day, eh? Yeah. Okay, so um, you talked about your staff. I mean, did you keep any of the old staff or did you make a clean break? And, wh- and if you did so, why? 
everything which is like winemaking and agronomy, I, I, I changed. The staff who is working the vineyards, uh, the tractor drives and so on, they're still there. But uh, I changed the staff we had to go for younger people, people with also a more international approach to things, people who've lived outside of Italy, because uh, I think it's important. Uh, I love Italy, but they sometimes have, they have a beautiful word for it. They call it campanilismo. And unfortunately, so that means close to the, the tower of your church. Unfortunately, that sometimes gives them not very open ideas to what's happening in the world. So I now have, um, I think the average age of my, my management is... 31 or something like that. Well, that, is in front of you. that really is incredibly low. And I give them a lot of responsibilities because I, I travel a lot for the wine business and for the, my other business. Were they afraid of that responsibility initially or did they thrive on it immediately? How did, that, how did they deal with that responsibility? It depends of whom. Some drive on it and some are a bit more worried. So you know how, I mean, that's, that's what a buzz is about. It's uh, to know your people and know where you can go with which person and how you have to uh, tackle it with them. But did they buy into your sort of bio-philosophy uh, initially or did they take a little bit of convincing? Oh, no. They had absolutely no problem with it. And I think that's the advantage of working with young people. Either they've never been confronted to conventional viticulture or if they have worked in a winery which works in a conventional way, they are still with an open mind. Uh, to innovation, to new things, to new techniques. If you're working with someone who's in his 50s and has to change, that's much, much harder. And my agronomist, he's never worked with chemical products. He doesn't know. I mean, if you ask him the name of a pesticide which you can use uh, against uh, tignoletta or the grape moth or something like that, he wouldn't even be able to tell you the name. So I think that's lovely. One of the um, people often look at organics say one of the disadvantages is you actually need more manual labor, more physical labor, more people in the vines. What do you see? Do you see that as a problem or, or as an advantage? I see that as a great advantage. I rather pay the people who live in my area and give them a living, a job to do, than have money flow to the Monsanto's, buyers and BASFs of this world for spraying products which are, in the end, polluting the planet on which we live. And we, at the moment, we still have only one planet on which we can live. Yeah, right. We haven't, there's not like a plan B. We haven't got a plan B, have we? <laughs> so, I mean, what does the future hold? I mean, are you going to buy any more vineyards? Are you happy with having your nasi? No, I'm happy with the vineyards we have now. I really want to consolidate. Um, we are, though, at Avignonese, and I think that's very important. And this young staff likes that too. We're doing a lot of experiments in the vineyards and in the cellar. Um, Do you want to do it like what? Like pruning by the moon, anything wacky like that? or um, It's, for instance, uh, on 501. Which is are, one of the biodynamic sprays well, to yes. make the grapes taste riper. We are doing a, an experiment together with Cerreto. The plan was that there were also some uh, wineries in France who'd join, who'd, who'd join, but at the moment uh, not much success. And so we're doing experiments of uh, when and how and what uh, we do on a 501 and then what's the effect going to be. And we do separate vinifications, of course. It's a, a parcel which is quite homogeneous, so you can compare. A parcel of vines, yeah. A parcel of vines, which, uh, so you can compare the, the grapes picked in, in one, treated this way or treated that. Do you think that's been one of the downfalls or the, the disadvantages or the negative aspects, I should say, of the organic movement? There hasn't always been a lot of science. People say, I know that it works because I see it works, but people actually say, well, have you got any scientific data? Are you trying to change that? We don't really want to change that, but for, for us, biodynamics is in say not, not the finality. The, what is important for us is that we get a balanced vineyard, which gives, gives us healthy fruit in a way which is healthy for the planet as well. 
And so we are doing experiments with homeopathy as well. We are trying to avoid as much as we can using copper. So we are doing a lot of experiments with alternative products which we add to the copper. We are around two kilos per hectare of copper per year. which For, is for those of you who don't know, copper is used to treat a, a disease called downy mildew. And there's a sort of copper-based spray that's low. But what Virginie is saying is you're using much lower than the lower limit, lower levels than the authorized level for organic regulation. I don't like the spraying of copper because it's a heavy metal, mm -hmm. even though it's in a very uh, minute quantity. But still, uh, my dream would be that in the future there will be a day where we will not be using any copper at all. At all. N neither would we be using any sulfur. Mm -hmm. That's my big scheme for the future. Okay, so when you get home at night and you unwind and you get a glass of wine, what do you cook? What do you like cooking? Well, um, I've become a vegetarian since a, a number of years. I do eat a little bit of fish from time to time. And I love exotic food. So I love cooking Thai, Indian, Chinese, Japanese. And um, so I, I love to use spices as well. Uh, I grow some fierce chilies in my vegetable garden, which... Uh, I then dry and, uh, and grind. Uh, I think the great thing about our wines based with, on Sangiovese is that Sangiovese is a, a grape varietal which goes really well with spicy food. It also, strangely enough, goes well with things like, like sushi. If you serve our Rosso di Montepulciano a little bit cooler than you would uh, a normal red wine, and you drink that with sushi. It's perfect. I even had it with oysters. So Sangiovese is a, is a very versatile grape varietal to combine with a lot of uh, food. Yeah, you talked about the campinellismo earlier on, about the, the um, sort of uh, just really not seeing further than the walls of your own village. So here you come, you got, you've revolutionized a bit of biodynamics and you're cooking sushi and spicy food with red wine. In that case, you really is crazy, this lady. Totally nuts. Well, it's fantastic because in uh, the restaurant we have at the winery, last year our, our cook always gives like a little appetizer when people arrive. And last year they made like a, a Tuscan sushi as a little appetizer okay. which was uh, it was really nice and people liked it okay final question what's your what's your next challenge personally or professionally well as i as i said before it's uh having a a copper free sulfur free you know ideally but i think we are just a bit too big for that if i could do all the work without tractors and go back to horses but i think my kids would probably kill me if they hear that Yeah, no, I know you and I have talked about that. I, I, I think Virginie should, uh, everything that we've heard so far, I don't think you'll disagree, is to make your stables like straw bale constructions. And I think it'd be great if you could do that. Honestly, you would be a global leader if you could do that on a vineyard of your scale and your fame. And it's a, such a famous name, Avignonese. And you have some space. It will take organization. I would absolutely love to see you do that. It'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, when I saw Ponte Canet in Bordeaux mm -hmm. and at Latour, they do it as well. But Ponte Canet, I think they do the entire wine uh, vineyards. And they're quite big as well. 80 hectares, uh, yeah. It's it's fabulous. Their, wine, their wines are much more expensive than mine. So yeah. Did you have? I mean, just out of interest, do you have animals when you were a kid? I mean, like horses, or I'm not just talking dogs and cats, but I mean, uh, you're quite sporty. Um, I don't have myself a lot of animals at home because, unfortunately, I'm a bit allergic to animals. We have a, a cat which is half feral, but I feed her and I can even give her a hug from time to time. But um, I would love to have some cows at Avignonese so that we make our own dung for the preparation 500 i would like to try as well with these um, very little sheep from wesson baby doll sheep because 
they could they could be like my grass mower in the vineyards. Yeah, so they the idea with the baby dog, they're, they're small, they eat the grass, but they're not tall enough to nibble the grapes. Exactly. And their dung falls in the vineyards, and so it's an uh, automatically a fertilizer in your vineyards. Okay, Virginie Savary is fascinating. I look forward to coming back and uh, seeing three members of staff and 85,000 sheep in your vineyard. Nice to talk to you. Thank you very <laughs> Thank much for you. coming in. Thank you, Monty. Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook.